Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm giving you a little preview of what you'll see Sunday from the San Francisco 49ers defense. So, this is not one of the, like, fun previews. <laughs> uh, do you guys remember the Carolina game last year where the Lions showed up and got pantsed on a sheet of ice and a bad, bad Carolina team just stomped them? Well, Steve Wilkes got fired by the Panthers after going 500 as the Panthers' interim head coach last season for 12 games. They traded away Christian McCaffrey and still ended the year as a top 10 rushing offense somehow. Wilkes was also the head coach in Arizona for a season, that one where they stuck somebody with Josh Rosen as the quarterback and then wondered why that didn't work super well. Then they fired everybody to hire Cliff Kingsbury and draft the Call of Duty-obsessed Kyler Murray. He's had some bad luck in terms of the opportunities he's been given, let's say. Uh, let's back up a little bit in terms of his life. Started as a defensive back. Went to the Seahawks as an undrafted free agent. Didn't make the team. So he played in the Arena League as a wide receiver and corner. Started working as a coach at Johnson C. Smith University in Division II. Uh, then Savannah State for a year, or for a few years. One year he was their head coach. And uh, East Tennessee State. Uh, he moved to the NFL eventually. Some Lions fans might remember the mid-2000s Bears secondary with Peanut Tillman, Ricky Manning Jr., Daniel Manning. This was their defensive backs coach. Uh, do you remember that awesome Chargers secondary that had Antonio Cromarty Jr., uh, Quinton Jammer, and Antoine Quezon, and Eric Weddle? This was their DB coach. Uh, remember that sweet Carolina defense that helped Cam Newton get to a Super Bowl? This was their DB coach. You may vaguely recall a cornerback named Josh Norman at one point. Had an all-pro season with Wilkes in Carolina, and then he went to Washington, and it's like he forgot how to tie his shoes. Uh, Wilkes is a very good defensive coach. Uh, even in his one year in Arizona, they did have a top 10 passing defense. Uh, he was also the Browns defensive coordinator for a year, but even he couldn't save Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. That was really bad decision-making that went into that whole thing falling apart. Uh, then he dipped down to Missouri for a year, as defensive coordinator in college, and in 2022, he was the Panthers secondary coach and assistant head coach prior to that whole thing falling apart and them deciding to go in a completely different direction, despite the fact that he took a team that, you know, sucked and made them go 500 over the back half of the year. 2023 is the first year Wilkes has been the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. The strength of the 49ers defense is their linebacking core as opposed to their secondary. Uh, which is weird because like both teams in the NFC championship game, you can say that their linebackers are probably the strength of their defense, but I've been told that linebackers are not valuable at all. Okay. Uh, 
Wilkes didn't come into the 49ers and implement his own scheme. He inherited a wildly successful defense that was just looking for a new play caller. So even he admitted kind of in August that he was still in some cases getting used to the terminology in the new scheme that he joined. That That's the type of guy this is. If something's working, he's not going to throw it out because he knows a better way. Good coaching. Looks the same everywhere. Basically, he was taking over from D'Amico Ryans, who you may have recall, you may recall, took over the Houston Texans as, as their head coach and took them from the second worst team in the NFL to winning their division in a single year with CJ Stroud. But the 49ers defense wasn't really Ryan's creation either. Uh, before him, Robert Sala laid the foundation for what the 49ers defense kind of is right now. And I'm going to use the word hybrid defense because it is not really like the 4-3-3-4 hybrid that you're thinking of, just kind of a mishmash of a whole bunch of different concepts. Like it started as a Seattle cover three defense. And then they added elements of the Jim Schwartz wide nine to the front seven under, under Sala. Ryan's added a whole whack of, of different coverages. So it, it's, the thing with it is it's not really specific in the scheme that it does. So it's, it's a little hard to, to pick out like specific things that are going to work. Like there's not when this guy's in single high coverage, which he is about 30% of the time <laughs> you can victimize that. There's none of none of that with this team. Uh, they, they do everything because they have good players. It's one of the most confusing defenses for offenses to deal with because from play to play, they might be running every coverage. They might be running any kind of run defense. It's uh, tough. Uh, they started super hot. But as always happens, when there's a new guy who takes control of something, it's really weird at the beginning and then teams kind of figure out some tendencies and then there's a bit of a lull in the middle of a season and they either come out of that or they don't. And they did. Like, even their lull, like during the 49ers three-game losing streak in October, their their offense couldn't score more than 17 points in any of those games. Losses aren't really on the D when that happens. Uh, but it's heresy in any kind of modern NFL discussion to say anything bad about Kyle Shanahan. Um, but the 49ers defense has given up 20 points in only six games this season, uh, and they only gave up 30 or more twice. It's a very good defense. Anyone who tells you anything other than that is delusional, but how can the Lions go after them? Because that's the whole point of this, right? And the answer is very specific to the Lions because like other teams, I might not say to do this, but if the Lions can run the ball 50 times, that's going to be a very good thing for the Lions. <laughs> uh, the 49ers are basically built to stop teams on third and long. Like, if you can get to third or fourth and short, they have given up a 78% conversion rate when teams run the ball on third or fourth down and less than three. The mistake I think teams have been making against the 49ers is that the 49ers defense only faced 169 rushing attempts on first and 10 versus 233 passing attempts. And like a little bit of that is teams fall behind. They don't run as much. That is a mistake because it sets up those third and longs that equate to failure. 
if that makes sense. Of course it does. It's not a super hard concept here. But let's look at second and 10 with the 49ers. Teams only converted 15% of second and 10s into first downs. It's the second most common down in distance that the 49ers faced for first being first and 10. But second and 10 is the second most common because 233 passing attempts, about a 65% completion percentage. That means 45% of the time you're dealing with second and 10 and that gets harder to convert. If you just make it second and seven to nine, it jumps up to 25%. Second and four to six is 38%. And like these aren't weird stats. Staying ahead of the sticks is a pretty proven concept, I would say at this point. I mean, I'm sure somebody has an algorithm that tells me that it doesn't matter, but I'll take every football coach on earth over your computer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really not. How you're going to be able to tell if the Lions are doing well is basically by their success rate on first down. That's that's the phrasing I've been using. If they get four or more yards on first down, eh, things are going really well. If their first down success rate is high, the Lions are going to put up points. If it's not, they won't. That's what you can say against the San Francisco 49ers defense in a nutshell. First down success rate is the most important thing. I don't really care if they run or pass to get it. But you need to avoid that third and long that this team is is built to defend. Overall, though, like you want to run the ball against the 49ers. Like they, they gave up the third least number of yards on the ground in the league, but that is because they faced the fewest rushing attempts in the league, not because they dominated against the run. Like their high-powered offense is the reason that they on paper on some stats look like they've had a lot of run success. Like their yards per attempt was in the middle of the league at 4.1 yards. And on first and 10, they gave up 4.4. It, it's the thing that they're not great at defending and they're, they are great at defending a lot of things, but they are not great at stopping you from getting yards on first down with running it, running place. Like their D line is movable and the Lions' offensive line is great at moving people. If there are any wrinkles left in this running game, this is the week to pull them out. Like, take Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. The better run defense grade PFF gave the one of those two guys, the better of the two, was a 59.4. But they still both have overall grades in the 70s or 80s, which tells you the kind of pass rusher that they've been bringing all year. In fact... All of the 49ers major defensive line contrib contributors have a much lower run grade than a pass rush grade from PFF. It's just a matter of how much, which is why they do so well on second and 10 or third and 10. What covers up for that deficiency is Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. If this isn't the best linebacker duo in the NFL, it's like second or third. <laughs> uh, they're both just very, very good players who fit what this defense is asking them to do perfectly. And they're, they couldn't really be much more different. Like Greenlaw is 5'11". Like the Niners list him at six feet, but they're clearly counting his hair. He's around 230 pounds and he had a relative athletic score around five. And that doesn't matter 
because if there's a position where athleticism is less indicative of success than linebacker in the NFL, I, I don't know what it is. This is a position that's entirely right in this space here, right between the ears. Like the other guys, Fred Warner, who had a 9.67 Raz. Literally everywhere, all the time, all at once. And the 49ers don't have to blitz those guys to get pressure. Like they don't, they're not one of the top tier teams in terms of pressuring quarterbacks, but they, they do it without sending those guys. And that's frankly a thing that the Lions have struggled with is, is pressure when teams don't have to blitz and they get pressure on the Lions. That's problematic because it puts linebackers in coverage and these two linebackers in coverage is really bad <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. Let's just say like these, these two guys are, are both just they're studs and linebacker coverage has been a bit of an Achilles heel for the Lions offense. So you might get some interesting backfield deployments this week, like David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, and Craig Reynolds. I'm just going to say it, they've all been bad pass blockers this year. Like they just have not done well. They have. They're, they're, there's no really other way to say it. They just have not been good at it this year, uh, which like it's the thing I care about least in terms of running backs, because like you want them. You want your weapons out causing damage, not holding back to prevent it. Like, they're swords and not shields, man. And, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But it does mean that the Lions need to get the ball quick, or get the ball out quick, and they need to get it to the outside. Because if they try to get the ball out quick and they try to get it out quick in the middle, then they're throwing at those two linebackers that you want to avoid at all costs. And this is kind of the thing with this game. Like we know Josh Reynolds doesn't really have like a quick game. He's not great on screens, yada, 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 and slants. This, is, this isn't where he does his damage. That's not his game. The Lions need JMO to step up. This is the game. I don't care about the lost rookie season or even the kind of disappointing second year. I care about this week right now. And this is the guy who can take the slant for 80 yards. Like it would be cool if Khalif Raymond was also back, giving them a couple different options on where this might go. But if that doesn't work, then it's checkdowns to the running backs under pressure. And that again plays into the hands of the 49ers D because you're asking their linebackers to then make a play on the guy who got the check down and they can. <laughs> so it's really important this week. The Lions have some hot reads for blitzes out to outside receivers. And like, Usually their hot reads are kind of St. Brown out of the slot or Laporta, but the middle of the defense, again, is where these guys are strongest. So, like, I mean, this could be a statement game for St. Brown. Like, even I'm writing him off, like, a little bit <laughs> in terms of, is he a guy who can be that that outside threat? Maybe if I say he can't, he'll get a chip on his shoulder if he hears about it and catch four deep balls along the sideline or something. And like, I'm not saying that the Lions need to go away from St. Brown and Laporta. That's that's ridiculous. Just that in specific situations like third and longs, they really are going to need somebody on the outside to step up and turn some five-yard gains into 25-yard gains or even just 11-yard gains just to get that first down. And if that's St. Brown or Laporta, well, cool. Unexpected, but cool. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and the Lions last week were using tight ends as outside receivers to open up the middle for St. Brown. And with that, like, too, he, 
he played more snaps on the outside this year than he did in the slot. So the idea that he's just a slot guy is outdated. If it was ever actually true, he is a 1500 yard receiver with 10 touchdowns on the year. And anyone who's referring to him as just a slot guy at this point can probably pretty much be safely ignored, particularly if they're just a salty Vikings fan. Like, man, they're so mad about a game that meant nothing for anyone that it, it's hilarious. But let's get back to the presence. We can make fun of Vikings fans all offseason for having fewer playoff wins in the 2020s than the Lions do. And I mean, as far as analysis goes, that's really all I have, to be honest with you. We've kind of hit that like 15 minute time limits. I'm going to stop. Uh, the Lions can't have incomplete passes or negative yardage runs on first down. And the 49ers give up more on the ground than the air relative to league averages. So pound the rock on early downs. The Lions need to get the ball to outside receivers on quick patterns. And if that can be St. Brown or Laporto, that's great. But it would be better if JMO had the game we've all been waiting for, or even like if Khalif Raymond could get back and give them some quick options on the outside, like outside the hash marks, Th that would be better. This is a good defense. There's no real personnel holes, but the secondary has had some games where it looked like they couldn't really play man coverage particularly well. So if the offensive line can hold up in passing situations against that really dangerous four man front, that'll force Wilkes to blitz. And that opens up holes in the secondary. And if that happens, we are going to like the results that we see from the Detroit Lions offense this week. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers offense. Hopefully, we know a little bit more about Debo Samuel. See you then. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, baby. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.